continue in our study in the book of Romans, and we've come to Romans chapter 8, beginning in, in verse 18. Our text says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, not hope that is seen, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. This particular chapter is a chapter that is given to us by the Holy Spirit to encourage us. I mean, from the very beginning where God begins by saying that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Last week we, we looked at, at the position that we have in Christ, that we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And now we come to looking at another passage of encouragement. We, we see that verse 18 begins by saying, For we consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Began looking at this last week, but those words, the sufferings of this present time, can, can mean a lot of different things to the different people here in this church right now. God knows. God knows everything that you're experiencing. He knows everything that you have experienced in this life. He's acquainted with all your ways. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you rise up. He knows your thoughts when they're still far off. And he knows our sufferings, the sufferings of this present time. In this, in this life, there's incredible joy as well. There's, there's incredible pleasures that we have in, in friendships and church and marriage and family and the beauty of all that God has created. But there's also, as all of us know, sufferings. We live in a world that's full of suffering. There, there is so much sin that is all around us. We live in a world that God describes that it's as if men do whatever's right in their own eyes. We live in a world in which there are terrorists and there's murderers and there's thieves and there's kidnappers and there's perversity of every kind you don't have to go far just 
pick up the newspaper. And sometimes those, uh, that, that wickedness, the extreme wickedness, comes right into, into our lives. There's also sin within our own hearts, which we hate as believers, and we long for the day when all temptation has ceased and every evil desire has been removed. But we live in a world in which there are sufferings and just the sin that we participate in. It's a part of us. We live in a world that has sickness and disease. In the United States alone, there's, there will be approximately 1.7 million people this year that will be diagnosed with cancer. We live in a fallen world in which our bodies are corrupted and they're decaying and there's all manners of diseases Statistics like that are heart-wrenching when, when you begin to think, you think of 1.7 million people this, this year, and then you, you take it into the lives of individuals, the, the, the heartache, the sadness, the despair. We've experienced this with, with members of our family, with loved ones who have battled cancer. There, there's some here this morning who have battled cancer themselves or they're currently fighting it. And our prayers are with you, and we, we know that the, the incredible suffering that you can experience. There's, there's too many diseases and physical infirmities to list of what our bodies suffer here in this present world. I mean, 600,000 people this year will die in the United States from heart disease. World Health Organization says that between 2,000 and 3,000 people die every day from malaria. Every, every, every day from malaria. And, and, and sometimes it just comes right to, 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 to home. This, this last week, some friends of mine, the, the, the father was a friend of mine from the time I was um, just a teenager. And, and they were having their second child and knew that the baby had a disease called trisomy 18. And... and I had never heard of it before, but apparently it's so severe that the baby typically wouldn't live very long. And, and, um, and they just have been praying and prayed. And I sent them a letter this, this week and, and just to encourage them in God's sovereignty and encourage them that God knows the number of days. God knows he gives us breath. He takes it away. And, and, joy of, of, of knowing that, that that baby would be ushered into heaven in God's perfect timing. And they, and they, they prayed that, that the baby just wouldn't suffer. Um, and, and the Lord took the baby home just right before the baby was delivered. And you look in, in just the, the pain, the, the, the pain for the parents, the the heartache that's involved with it. We, we live in a world in which it is a fallen world and a curse that has come upon the world in which there's all manners of pain and, and sin. There's thorns, there's thistles, there's the blind and the deaf, there's the mute, there's the lame, there's other physical illnesses that 
can cause unbearable pain. There's tornadoes and there's earthquakes and there's hurricanes and there's tsunamis and there's avalanches and there's volcanoes. For me, I've spent a lot of time studying just God's word on, on suffering because over the course of the last several, well, now I think decades, like working with Safe Harbor International Relief and going to places, that you see stuff that you never would want to see, whether it be incredible drought and war and famine in South Sudan, Showing up to a place where people are crawling, they can't, they don't even have strength to walk, they're eating grass, there's no food whatsoever. And, and you're just seeing people die, I mean, one after another. 30 people in a day in this little tiny village just dying from the starvation. You see every bone in their body, and you know, we'd bring back video and people would say, That's not taking place, there's no way if that was happening, our country would do something about it. And it's like, It's, it's happening, it, it's, it's happening. Going to places like Nicaragua after Hurricane Mitch and George went through and just seeing what, what a hurricane can do. I mean, just pulling trees right out, gigantic trees, t- destroying all of the homes in, in just hours. Going to someplace like Sri Lanka two days after the tsunami hit and, and, and seeing things that I wish I never had seen. Administering the gospel in circumstances like that. I mean, I had no idea what water could do. I mean, just hundreds of thousands of people killed in just minutes. And we look and we, we see that, that, that it's in times like this that we need to understand what the curse is that has been placed upon the world and also have a biblical view of God's sovereignty in it all. And we'll be looking at over the next couple of weeks as we look at this this morning as well as Romans 8:28 and looking at all things working together for good how do we how do we think about these things what do we do with these things we we look and, and we see that that there's just there there could be incredible pain in this world divisions within families relationships friends marriages there's there's persecutions and sufferings for the name of Christ there's injustice and uncertainties there's anguish and anxieties daily in this fallen world in which we live there's wars there's think of world war 1 15 million people killed between 1914 and 1918 the numbers we we talk numbers like that but the the numbers are just astounding World War II, 6 million Jews put to death. Over 40 million people in all killed as a result of the war. Even just recently in, in my lifetime, in 1975 to 1979, 2 million slaughtered in Cambodia. Um, somewhere around a million people killed in Rwanda in 1994. The, the, the devastation of war and what takes place, we live in a world in which it is very much fallen. We, we see that there's pain and there's suffering, and right now there is undoubtedly people in our congregation that, that the suffering in which they're experiencing is um, something that, that, that is so real that your, your heart is just in a place where it aches right now. 
for others of us, things are very good and things are very, going very well. And we have young people here who think they're still indestructible. And, and yet, it's at times in the word like this that it prepares us for the next turn. All of us will experience suffering. Every, every one of us will at some point. And yet God tells us that it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's this light affliction, he tells us in 2 Corinthians, is just but for a moment. Um, we think of who's writing this particular passage, and it's coming from the lips of Paul, the apostle. He tells us that he has been... Whipped in, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've been in the deep. Journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness, and besides the other things which come upon me daily. His deep concern for the church is you. You're, you're reading this morning from somebody who's experienced these things. First hand. And he's saying the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The, the message is to be a message of hope for us this morning where we look and we say, you take all of the sufferings that we can experience in this world and know that it's, it's not even worthy to be compared with what's going to come up. It's not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And so we look and he tells us here that uh, in verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The, the suffering that we're experiencing isn't worthy to be compared with the glory and then he takes us to these different groanings that take place. And he begins by saying, creation itself. You take this, this, the creation in this world as far as the plants, the animals, the heavens, all of it. He, he's saying that it eagerly waits in earnest expectation, the creation eagerly waits for the revealings of the sons of God. It eagerly looks forward to it. The phrase eagerly, or earnest expectation, or, or eagerly waits, it, it comes from the idea of, of, of almost being on your, your tippy toes, your neck sticking out. What's going to happen next? When is it going to happen Phillips translates this, that the whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful side of the sons of God coming into their own. Creation itself, it can't wait to see when this is going to happen. 
the new heavens and the new earth. The, the sufferings that you're experiencing now aren't worthy to be, be compared. And, and here's some more encouragement to you. Is creation itself can't wait for what is around the corner for us. It's on its tiptoes. Eagerly. An earnest expectation or eagerly waiting. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into this glorious liberty of the children of God. And we, and we, we see that there was a curse that came upon the whole world. Genesis 3.17, it says, Then to Adam, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree of which I command you, saying, You shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. A curse that goes out as Adam and Eve fall in the garden. It's just... Cursed is the ground for your sake. Thorns, thistles, it shall bring forth. And we see that, don't we? We see that we live in a world in which it's cursed. We we do our best to make it so the curse isn't there as much, don't we? Air conditioning. The sweat of your brow, like air conditioning. Was in Pakistan and, and... it, it, it was like over 130 degrees. It was unbelievably hot. I, I remember looking at CNN and it said, Lahore, Pakistan, record temperatures. I'm thinking, great, I'm here. It was brutal. And we get into a car with five people, tiny cars, sitting as close as possible to each other. And I just, like, sitting in the middle. Or, and, and I'm looking at it, just thinking like, <laughs> I can't, I'm like, I'm going to cook. It was so hot in that car. And I, I said to them, please, can, can we roll down the windows? Because the air conditioning didn't work. And they're like, no. And I was thinking, why? They have this thing in Romania called Krant, and then they believe that if you roll down the windows, you'll get sick. And so I was thinking, like, that's it. That's it. They think, this is ridiculous. Like, roll the window down. I'm dying. And they go, no, 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 it gets hotter. And I'm like, try it. Let's, can we just try it? What do you mean it gets hotter? And they rolled down the window, and it felt like a furnace coming in. I'm like, this is brutal. Our body temperatures are bringing down the temperature in this car. It was that hot. And I, I just think we, we do everything we can to make it so that we don't experience that. And you see that God tells us, no, it's, it's there. Um, there's sometimes where it's just absolutely impossible to avoid, and you see that there is a curse that is here on this earth, and we experience incredible pain as a result. The good news is, is that as a result of Christ, and as a result of the cross, and as a result of the redemption of us, the, the curse is, will be removed completely someday. 
You see it in Revelation 22.3 where it says, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There will be no more curse. It will be gone. It will be completely, completely removed from us. In Isaiah 11, it tells us in verse 6, the the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a, a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze. And their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play with, by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my Holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The day that comes in which the curse is removed, creation is growing to be, you look and there is definitely, there, there, there is definitely a curse that is upon it to where you are not seeing a, a lion lay next to a lamb. You don't see uh, a cow and a bear grazing together, you very much see that there is a difference. You don't have your child play by the cobra's hole. You look, you feel vulnerable. You go scuba diving. I don't scuba dive, but snorkeling. And I love snorkeling, but there's some fish that come up and I just think they're too big. They can swim way faster than me. We went with the Guastaferas up to the Tioga Pass there between Yosemite and Mammoth. That area, it's just beautiful. And I don't know if they're here. Hey, you guys are here. Let me tell the, Can I tell the story? Thanks. Um, <laughs> we stayed back at this little lake with Jonathan, and they, you know, professional soccer players that they are, decided just to charge up the mountain and go on a long hike, and we were very, Tosh and I were very happy to stay at the lake and throw rocks. <laughs> but they come down just in a sweat, running, and, and I guess they were up there, and they heard just like some horrific noise of some animal that they felt was chasing them. They said they sprinted, and it just was getting closer and closer to them, and the whole noise that they had never heard before, but whatever it was, it was fierce, and they came down. They, we, we asked the ranger what kind of animal that was. They, they imitated the noise, and Ranger said, it was an owl. <laughs> Pretty scary. But you look and Tosh and I, if we would have been up there, we'd have been fine. But it, you feel so vulnerable, a noise that you've never heard. And yet the day will come when the curse is removed. In Romans 8, 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. It, all of creation groans and labors with birth pangs. It, it can't wait till things are new. It's not just that things will be changed. It's birth pangs. There will be a delivery. It will be something totally and completely new. And God tells us that creation itself, it, it, it groans and labors with birth pangs. Jonathan, when Tasha was in labor, 52 
hours from the first contractions of like, I'm having contractions, to like walk all over Southern California and then come back. There came a point where I was like, please, please, just take her for me. No, t- I, I mean, it was just brutal. Like, no, not dilated enough. Come back later. Go walk around. I'm like, we've walked a marathon. Please just take her. 52 hours till the baby came. And you just, you know, like, many of you women know what this means as far as the groanings and the labors of birth things. And God saying, all creation is like that. Just have it come to an end. May there be a change that takes place. May there be a new heaven and a new earth. And then in verse 23, it says, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. We do too. Not only creation, all of creation, but we too, having the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We know what it is to be redeemed. We know what it is to be purchased. We are experiencing salvation as the Holy Spirit has come within us. And he's saying we also, we groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption on our tiptoes. When is it going to happen? When, when will be the redemption of our bodies? When is it going to happen? You see, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, where, where we're told by the Apostle Paul, for we know that our earthly house, this tent is, that, that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, and a house not made with hands, eternal to heaven's. For in this we groan, earnestly desired to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. <clears throat> now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also give us the Spirit as a, a guarantee. goes on and says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We see that. It was just a couple months ago that the Lord took Earl Milligan home. 94 years old. Blind. Head hurt all the time. Just spinning. 94 years old. We miss him, don't we? And yet, he has a, a building from God, a house not made with, man's, made with hands eternal in the, the heavens. There's a change that has taken place within him to where all of the pain, the spinning of the head, the, the body that was once so strong that had come to a place of 94 years old, he, when you talk to him, he he just longed for the day to go home to be with Christ. He longed for that day. We see in Second Peter in chapter 3, verse 10, that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because 
of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We can't wait. We, we look. It, it's going to happen. It's going to come as a thief in the night. And we just, there's this earnest expectation of looking forward to that time where there will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In which righteousness dwells. A world that is filled with all manners of sin. Shootings at school. Murders that take place. You watch and you think, how much worse can things get? And, and yet, oh, we look forward so much to a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There's no more sin. It's all gone. All of it is gone. There's no more corruption. In Revelation 21, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and first earth had passed away. They were gone. There was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, for there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true, and they're faithful. The day is coming. You're, you're here right now in this present world in which there's sufferings, and yet it's not even worthy to be compared with what's coming, and we earnestly look forward to that, don't we? We earnestly look forward to leaving this world in which we're in, in which there's pain, in which there's suffering, and coming to a place where God says, the curse is removed, there's no more curse, I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more pain, no crying, the former things are passed away, they're all gone, all of that is gone. All of it is gone. And so you, you, you're here the, this morning, and there's suffering, and there's pain, or... There's a loss of the loved one, or there's cancer, or there's old age, there's body aches, there's pain, and you look at it, and there's, there's this earnest expectation looking ahead and going, I get to enter into glory soon. This stuff is done. not even worthy to be compared to that place where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, no more death. It'll never happen again, nor sorrow, nor pain. I make all things new. Everything will be different. Then he says, so sweetly to John, write these things down. Because they're faithful and they're true. You, you could be absolutely sure that this is what is in store for you. And so we will go to be with him. What will it be like? What will we be like? What will it be like when we have our glorified bodies? We're, we're told in, in Scripture, like in Philippians 3.20, that we'll be like Christ. Our, our, for our citizenship is in heaven, in, in which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he's able to even us to do all things to himself. He'll take your lowly body and transform it into his glorious body, like his glorious body. And that's what's going to happen. 
Similarly, John in 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he's revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Your, your current body is going to be radically changed into being made like him. And God says, if you think this way, even right now, like if you're in a place where you think you're indestructible, The idea of looking and saying, my body now will be transformed into his glorious body. If you think this way, it'll purify you. Just as he is pure. Looking forward on your tiptoes, looking ahead. When is that going to happen? When is it going to happen? We're told other things about our new glorious bodies. One is that they'll shine. They'll shine. You see in... In Matthew 13, 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the father. In Daniel 12, 3, it says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So there's gonna be something about us that, that shines Our bodies will be incorruptible, immortal. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. It says, the dead will be raised incorruptible and they shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. All that is corruptible within us will put on incorruption. Both with reference to our sin and our sinful nature as well as just how our bodies just are failing us. Put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. It will not be possible for you to die. It'll be a glorious body. Power, nothing weak about it. 1 Corinthians 15, 43, it says, It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it's raised in power. Verse 44, it's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There's a change that's taking place. That which was sown in dishonor, the seed was sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, the resurrection. Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears then you will appear with him in glory. A glorious body. Here's something that might be interesting to some of you is that it seems like you're going to be able to eat in heaven with your glorious body, but it doesn't... It also seems that you won't have to, but you'll just be able to do it just for your pleasure. I mean, you look and Jesus says, this matters to me. Jesus was raised from the dead and we're told that he said, the disciples, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb and he took it and ate in the presence. You also look and, and there's, in Revelation 22, there's a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb and in the middle of its street 
on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. So there's these trees, and they have 12 fruits, possibly to be eaten. I think it's also interesting that there's 12 fruits for every month, like one for every month. You look at, you think of going into eternity that there's no such thing as time anymore, and I understand that. Well, I don't understand it, but I understand why they say that. But at least to some extent, there is at least some sense of time and that there's a different fruit for every month. You won't marry anymore. You won't die. Luke twelve or Luke twenty verse thirty five. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Won't be marriage anymore. You have your own body. It'll be distinct from others, but it'll be given as it pleases the Lord. So you say, what is it like? I don't know. I mean, I, but what it does tell us is someone says in 1 Corinthians, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? The response that Paul gives is foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that the body, you, you do not sow that the body shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases to each seed its own body. So God's going to give you a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. He'll give you a body as he determines and it'll be a glorious body. And there'll be fullness of joy. Psalm 16, you'll show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. And so we look at this and we have much to look forward to on our tippy toes, looking ahead to what God has for us. In Romans 8, 24, it says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And so in this, you hope. Even though right now they're suffering, Paul's saying, in this you hope. You don't see it yet as far as the greatness of what it is that God has in store for you. But we hope for what we don't yet see. We're on our tippy toes looking ahead. And as a result, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Regardless of our circumstances right now, the sufferings in which we experience, God's saying, may this be encouraging to you. You will get a new and glorious body. Everything is going to change. Just so you know, all creation looks forward to it. All of creation groans and looks forward to it. They're, They're on their tippy toes looking forward to what is ahead for you. And this hope of me telling you, God's saying in Scripture, this is what is in store for you. The curse will be removed. No more pain, no more sadness, no more death, no more tears. All those things are gone, and this is what's ahead for you. That hope, even though you don't understand the magnitude of entering into the joy of the Lord or corruptible putting on incorruption and all of these things, it's still the hope of what it is that we look forward to causes us to be on our tippy toes, eagerly waiting for it, with perseverance. 
And so may this do as the Holy Spirit inspired it to do and be an encouragement to us this morning. If you're in a place of suffering right now, loneliness, heartache, anxiety, pain, brokenness, despair, it's not even worthy to be compared with what's around the corner. Last week I brought up story of Newton, of John Newton saying there was that man that was going to New York to take possession of a large estate, huge inheritance that he got. On his way there, his carriage broke. So he had to walk the rest of the way. And Newton says, what a fool we would think of him if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out the remaining mile, saying, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. You might be in a place right now where you're suffering, and it, it very much feels like your carriage is broken. You have an inheritance. It's indescribable. We just, we scratch the surface of it. You're going to get there, and I assure you, you will be in heaven through faith in Christ and his work upon the cross for you, and you're going to look and say, man, you didn't even come close to describing it. You didn't even come close to describing it. If I knew then what I know now, oh, man, that, I never would have been going around. My carriage is broken. My carriage is broken. If I knew then, I, there would have been this earnest expectation on my tiptoes just looking ahead to this is what's in store for us. And so my encouragement to myself and to all of you this morning is through the work of Christ upon the cross and salvation that comes through him, through faith in him, our sins are removed We've been made children of God, and there is an inheritance that's laid up for us. As much pain as you experience here on this earth, you'll have a new body and a new heavens and a new earth. And all of creation knows that it's coming, and they're all, all of it is on its tiptoes looking ahead to what's coming. And it is going to be joy inexpressible, full of glory. It will be an inheritance that will be incorruptible and undefiled and it won't ever fade away. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. It will all be there for all eternity and you'll enter into it. And this light affliction, it's just for a moment. Run hard. Run hard. Glorify him even in the midst of suffering. Run hard that you might finish your race with joy. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, the running hard is not by our own doing, but it is through you and your enabling. Lord, we surround those in prayer right now who are just suffering severely. May they keep their eyes fixed upon the inheritance. There's those here this morning and their, their bodies are broken. 
They groan for their new body. Lord, I, I pray that, that they'd be on their tiptoes, just looking forward to, to, to what is in store for them for all eternity. By the power of your word, Lord, we pray that you would meet us here this morning and enable us to, to just see that it's, these things are not even worthy to be compared with what you have done for us. And may that cause our feet to become light and may it cause boldness to come forth. And may we finish the race in which you've called us towards with great joy. Not even considering the, the sufferings of this present world because we look for our reward. Lord, we're so dependent upon you to enable us to keep that mindset. And Lord, I pray that the power and the authority of the inspired word before us this morning will be just planted in our hearts that when a day of suffering comes, that, oh Lord, that you would bring it right to our remembrance. Be worshiped now through the praises of your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.